Welcome to Leading the Next Generation with Tim Elmore. I am your co-host, Andrew McPeak, and our mission here at Growing Leaders is to empower the emerging generation with skills to lead in real life. And Tim, today we're talking about engaging our students, especially, it's especially challenging because we're so often finding ourselves in the virtual classroom and engagement is just hard to come by there. And there's been lots of great stories. In fact, we'll share a few of different teachers who've tried different things and different methods. In fact, we want to give you some great strategies before the end of this podcast. Um, but one uh, teacher I heard about comes to mind uh, as somebody who went above and beyond to engage her mm-hmm. students. As soon as quarantine uh, struck uh, and all their kids were sent home, she yeah. decided, well, just because my kids have to be at home doesn't mean I do. Uh, and also doesn't mean that I cannot give them a, a crazy, awesome experience. Yeah. And so this teacher, she's a social studies teacher, uh, started holding class from a different significant location somewhere in America wow. every single day, okay? So her and her husband took a road trip, and every day she would log into class from a different place. So she did, um, you know, it was in the springtime, so the weather was nice. She tunes in, in uh, at Plymouth Rock and teaches oh about, gosh, yeah. uh, you know, the, the pilgrimage coming over. Uh, she went to uh, Memphis and did a class in front of the Lorraine Motel where mm-hmm. MLK was yeah. shot and talked about the history yeah. of that. Um, so, I mean, it was just amazing, right? She did Washington, D.C. and all of those things. And, and I feel like often when we hear stories like this, we kind of get this impression that like either it's the teacher who just does some crazy thing and comes yeah. up with, you know, creative blood, ideas. Yeah. yeah, super creative ideas. Or it's lean on our laurels, lean on our history, do what we've always done. I'm gonna, just going to teach math. Yeah. It's just over Zoom rather than this, and kids are going to watch me write on the whiteboard behind me kind of thing. Yeah. And I feel like there's got to be a better way, or at least a more middle way, yeah. uh, which is something, really some, what we want to talk about today. Well, uh, what struck me, is it was doable. Yeah. Uh, it, it needs to be doable. And, yeah. and for that teacher, that brilliant teacher who taught on location from yeah. Grand Canyon or wherever, um, we might go, gee, I wish I could do that too, but that's not going to happen. Absolutely. But I do think there's a creative middle answer. Absolutely. Well, it was in that spirit that you've actually been working for the last several months on a new ebook that's coming out. Um, right now, we're, we're calling it The Proven Method. It's really about a strategy. Mm-hmm. that ha- It's an acronym with five parts yeah. that really is about how to do just this, right? To engage our students, but not really have to break the bank or break mm-hmm. the creativity, yeah. uh, come up with all these crazy ideas, but instead make some small but significant changes that can have a huge impact. Yeah, so it's a pedagogy change, a way of doing a lesson plan very differently or communicating very differently. Yeah. But it's an, it's going to enable you, listeners, to prove your students can learn anything. I love that. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, the, I, I believe there's, a, there's an innate secret of all extraordinary teachers that they do, even though they didn't all talk to each other, uh-huh. we find a common thread uh, throughout all of them. Um, this became crystal clear more recently Yes, when you and I got on a virtual call and did a virtual focus group with faculty members at Louisiana Tech University. Yeah, uh, We know this university, we work with them for years, but we got with math faculty in specific and we were talking to them about what their what their experience was. And it was less than optimal. I think that's a safe way. <laughs> yes, as many teachers have, have had this yeah. year. Yeah, so like so many other learning institutions, Louisiana Tech launched classes in the fall of 2020 with an A-B model. Mm-hmm. 
okay? Some students attend class in person, some attended remotely, and we discussed the challenge of student engagement in a virtual learning world, which was what they were experiencing. Now, these math instructors are known for creatively engaging their students each year with having a high rate of student retention, students just stick around, which is a really good thing. Yeah. Um, and if that's a reputation they have. But today, they agree that engaging students is a little bit more challenging. So some of the comments we heard, and I've, I've just listed them here, uh, when teaching remotely, I will call on students by name and they still don't respond. Yeah. So Julie, Julie, what do you think? You know, and Julie's just not responding. You go, yeah. Julie, are you there? Yeah. You know? um, several students expect us, one said, to be more lenient because of our current circumstances. Yeah. So, you know, you need to cut me some slack here. Um, one teacher said, one of my students will log on while they're working a shift at the job, at a job. <laughs> yeah. So they're kind of multitasking. They're, they're doing French fries and yeah, learning yeah. about math classes at the same That's time. That's right. Yeah. French fries and calculus. Uh, since classes are being recorded, some of the students were thinking they could passive be passive and just catch it all later yeah you know i'll just watch this at 11 p.m or yeah that's right um one teacher said sometimes i can see students goofing around their dorm room while in a session you know um another faculty member said i have to repeat things i have said since day one in the course yeah because somehow you're just distracted if you're in a different you know so true um a couple more several students will ask the very question i have just answered yeah which has to be frustrating. I know it's frustrating to both sides, but the teacher's going, I just said that. Yeah. And then lastly, uh, more students are just mentally checking out this year than any year they've had previously because they're not together yeah. in the classroom. And this is from a group of math faculty who are, frankly, some of the best in the yeah. nation at yeah. holding their students' attention, creating interesting classroom experiences. Yeah. And what they're saying is exactly what we're hearing uh, all over. Well, really what we're suggesting in order to solve some of these problems um, is not just a set of strategies, but it's really a different philosophy, yeah. a different approach, uh, yeah. really on communication, right? Yep, How do we communicate ideas? And I know uh, in order to set up, before we kind of get to that acronym, I'd like for you to walk us through what's the mindset that we're sort yeah. of adopting to step fully into this uh, kind of different style of teaching. So I want to use two terms that educators, no educator has these two terms in their mind when they're teaching. They see themselves as an educator, not either one of these terms. But I think the terms really clearly define a paradigm shift that we need to make. So we either approach our class as a public speaker or as a communicator. Uh, yeah. And I'm about to lobby that you've got to leave that public speaker mode and move into communicator mode as quickly as you possibly can. So consider this, listeners. Effective communicators identify with the people who are listening. Mm. They do so by reflecting on the kinds of issues those people might be facing when they hear this content, and then revealing a part of their life that relates to those issues. Uh, they may tell a story about themselves as a part of the curricula. Uh, they may reveal a fear or a hope or a challenge or a weakness they possess. So you become self-revealing. When they do, the, 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 the window to their own soul puts a mirror in the hands of their listeners. And that's, in essence, a habitude that we've developed that helps people move from this public speaker mode to this communicator mode. So um, I did a course. I developed a course uh, called uh, Habitudes for Communicators. Mm -hmm. And the very first image in this Habitudes course is windows and mirrors. So here's my theory. Um, 
Whenever you begin to teach as a communicator, not as a public speaker, you actually begin to pull back the curtain on your own life and your own soul, yeah. if you will, and let them see inside. And when you offer them a window to yourself, you actually provide a mirror for students to see themselves. Yes. A window provides a mirror. Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's, it, it seems counterintuitive. And this is one thing I've always found, like, especially, honestly, the way that they train you to be an educator in most institutions is... If yeah. you reveal something about yourself, then you're just going to be revealed, right? Yeah. yeah. But the reality is, it, it has this really because we're human beings, it has right? An effect. It has yeah. a really interesting effect when you open yourself up. It doesn't cause people to point and laugh and whatever else you think might happen. What actually happens is that when you open yourself up, people go, "Huh, I wonder if that's true for me too." Or yeah. I wonder if I've ever, or yeah. I wonder if I, and we begin to actually hold up a mirror to ourselves mm-hmm. and ask ourselves personal questions about us. A vulnerability begets yeah. vulnerability, yeah. right? It doesn't, it doesn't lead to embarrassment. Instead, I think more often it leads to more vulnerability. So when I was taught to speak, I was actually taught no self-disclosure. Self-disclosure will cause them to lose respect for you. Mm. And by, when I say, you know, sharing failures or fumbles or flops or whatever, it's the opposite. Yeah. They don't lose respect. In fact, they often go, oh, thank God you struggle with that thing as well. And now you've gained their respect because you become more real. So this is something that maybe many of you listening would go, of course, I know that. But I think we don't do this as well, especially in our profession as educators. So um, here's the statement I like to walk by. It's yeah. a simple statement, but it's profound if we practice it. The more real you become, the more responsive your learners become. Say it again. I love that. Yeah. The more real you become, the more responsive they'll become. I love that. Yeah. So um, it's a windows and mirrors concept. So uh, all the great communicators I know of right now practice this principle. They may not call it windows and mirrors, but they do this day in and day out. And they find that it creates a more responsive way for, for, for it's it's magnetic actually to audiences I would say adults or kids but certainly when someone you when you want someone to learn something you you play this card first absolutely so. yeah it actually has reminded me of another one of our habitudes the Calcutta paradox mm-hmm. right uh, which yeah. all which is all about Mother Teresa why was she yeah. so attractive uh, to the world the whole world mm-hmm. loved yeah. her invested in her she yeah. won the Nobel Peace Prize well it's actually another simple principle and it's a probably a second cousin to this one right Mother yeah. Teresa won the hearts of the world because yeah. she refused to talk up herself instead yeah. she became humble yeah. lowly vulnerable all of those things and people uh, stepped in and filled what yeah. she refused to say. And I think the same thing happens yeah. uh, in Windows and Mirrors. So some real quick action steps before we get to the meat of this podcast. Uh, action steps you can take to become the communicator rather than the public speaker and practice Windows and Mirrors. Uh, the first one is, I would say, look for ways to make it personal, sharing how you first learned the, the content or the curriculum that you're about to teach. I just feel like this makes us human. Uh, number two, work to share both successes and failures. So successes will inspire them, but failures, they're going to identify with those. Yeah, yeah. That, that always happens. Um, here's another one. As you allow students to peer into the window of your own life, identify your emotions. What did you feel when you first learned this subject? Maybe you were scared. Yeah. Tell them that. Yeah. Um, this will help them to do it as well. And then lastly, remember, um, you must initiate and go first. Whenever we want them to become real and vulnerable, usually we got to go first. Yes. 
And so I have found when I will tip my hand and open up and become a little bit vulnerable myself and transparent about my own life, uh, it, it just causes students to do it too. Students do what students see. Yes, yeah. it's so true. Yeah. It's so true. So in my experience, both humor and humanity have aided my connection with students. I love that. Yeah. Humor and humanity. Humor and humanity. Humor and humanity. And I think the great communication. I'll tell you what. Um, I remember being a young adult back in the 1980s. Our president, Ronald Reagan, whether you agree with him politically or not, he was called the great communicator. He was so real. He'd yes. laugh at himself, poke fun, you know, that, and people just leaned in. Yes. So may this happen in our classrooms as well today. Absolutely. Well, I think we've got, I think, the, the philosophy we need to be adopting, the mm-hmm. way we're thinking about how we're communicating. But what I love about this ebook, and I want to, talk to, the, uh, yeah. talk to you guys about the opportunity that we have here. What I love about this ebook is that you dig deep on the strategies as well. So yeah. what does the, the person with this mindset do? Uh, stick with us because Tim's going to introduce this concept, but we actually have an opportunity for you to dig really deep and even get this ebook for free. I'm going to tell you yeah. how right at the end. But Tim... Yeah. Lead us into this acronym, PROVE, and what it can do for us and how we might begin to implement it. Absolutely. So a teacher's biggest hurdle is the competition they all face when messaging students. They're up against thousands of other messages, and we're trying to get through competing against YouTube, Netflix, you name it. It's just out there. So um, we um, have just spoken to hundreds, yay, thousands of teachers over the 17 years I've been leading Growing Leaders, and then three decades before that for me. And um, we have five words that spell the word prove, P-R-O-V-E, that I carry in my mind, and I think you probably do it as well as you think through the slide deck you're going to create, the lesson plan, the, 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 the talk that you're going to give. So let's jump in. The letter P reminds me I need to start with problems yes. or start with a problem. So don't start with a curriculum. Start with a problem. Um, we, we believe great teachers don't offer great answers. They offer great problems. Yes. And this will enlist the students to go with you on a journey. Um, These teachers understand that students don't engage with curriculum. They engage with a dilemma, a challenge that needs to be solved through that curriculum. And in this ebook, Andrew, we talk about illustration after illustration of how this can be done, how it has been done, and how really students learn on a need-to-know basis. So we need to create the need-to-know. This is all about why. Why would a student pay attention right now? If you give them a great problem... They, yeah. The incentive is there. They'll That's pay right. attention. And by the way, one last caveat on this. Not a hypothetical problem that they know is a storybook problem in a math book. Yeah, exactly. You know. John has three apples. Yeah, 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 we're not looking for that <laughs> kind. Yeah. yeah, it's a real problem that needs to be solved today. Love it. The letter R in Prove is relationships. Now, many of you intuitively know this, but great teachers know you can't lose the relationship with a student in, in light of this, this curricula that you've got to get taught so GPAs stay high, schools get funded, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I just believe the best teachers, actually down through history, understand that students don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Yes. John Maxwell said that to us for years and years when I was on his team. The only capital between teacher and student in 21st century is social capital. It's the depth of the relationship that, you, that you've established. Yes. And when we hear students say in focus groups, I don't think my teacher really understands me. I don't think she even knows me. She thinks she does, but she doesn't. That tells me we got more work to do to build that social capital, to earn the right to say what needs to be said in that classroom. Absolutely. This is an acknowledgement that uh, in the past, in history, 
you had a position of authority, therefore you got respect. Yeah. It's just not the world that we live in today. No. So we have to be builders of relationships if we want to uh, continue to maintain the intention of our students. Andrew, one thing you and I said to each other a bunch during 2020 was some of these students are teaching in a virtual classroom. They've never actually met their students Yeah, in person. That's true. That They're meeting them online, but that's just not the same. Just like dating online is not the same with dating in person. Yeah. We've got to somehow build the relationship. Yes, it has to be intentional. So that's the letter R. The letter O is the word ownership. Yeah. We found that the best instructors across the country are ones that force their students to practice metacognition in uh-huh. the classroom and give them a sense of ownership of their own learning. Yeah. Are they renting their education or do they own their education? Most of them are renting their education. This is your class teacher, not mine, and I'm going to be out of here in nine months. Yes. I mean, it's natural. But the best teachers pass that ownership on. So um, I believe metacognition is the greatest gift you can pass on to your students in class, and that means you somehow, um, you somehow pass on the feeling of, I own my learning, and I want to learn this because it's really mine. I'm going to take it with me long after graduation. Absolutely. So this book shares best practices on how to really pass on ownership Absolutely. to the students. So this is, uh, this is you give them the what, which is typically a great yeah. problem, like we yeah. talked about. They determine the how, yeah. and that's going to be metacognition for them is how do I solve that problem? Well, yeah. it's completely up to me. You know, yeah. uh, That kind of thing just communicates so much to the student. And we have found that the student and teacher meet in the middle on the why. Yeah. You come up with your why, but let me tell you why. I think you may be using this in five years. Yeah. It's so important that both of you participate in the why. Love it. All right, the letter V, improve, visuals. Now, this will not shock you if you know us at Growing Leaders. We believe in imagery, teaching with pictures and and, and story, and we call them narrophores. There should be narrative and metaphor yeah. both used in the classroom. But um, I heard Leonard Sweet say this, images are the language of the 21st century, not words. And, and quite frankly, today's teens are most accurately described as teenagers who recognize and remember visuals over words. We always do, but it's especially true today. So they need a point for their head, a picture for their heart, and a practice for their hands. Absolutely. So the best teachers do this. And again, this in this ebook, we share yeah. how to do this. Yeah, and we're not suggesting emotional manipulation. Instead, no, what we're no. suggesting is emotions which are communicated through visuals, yeah. have been devoid in the classroom. Yeah. We need to bring them back and connect with our students on a human level, not just an intellectual level. Yeah. And then the last letter E in the word prove is experiences. We need to be thinking lab, not lecture. Science class does that really well. The rest of the subjects, it's a crapshoot on whether the teacher understands the importance of experiential learning, project-based learning. Uh, students aren't looking for a sage on the stage with a lecture. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe they're looking for a guide on the side who offers an experience. So um, you could create curriculum from scratch, sh- for sure, but wouldn't it be easier to use a curriculum that's already based on the proved methodology, and that's what we have here. We tell story after story of, of educators that have, have used an experience to foster great conversation afterwards on the subject you want them to learn. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, um, we have a, a really great opportunity coming up via a webinar, and we want to give away this ebook for free. But before we get to that, I know you and I had talked about 
um, maybe just one example of a teacher who leveraged this strategy, maybe even without knowing the name or the the acronym for this strategy, but who leveraged it and saw amazing results. You thought of one of our favorite examples. I'd love for you to share that. So about a decade ago, I got to meet Erin Gruel. Mm -hmm. Uh, Erin is a lovely educator. She taught in the classroom many years and then began an organization to help teachers engage students. And we are fans. But Aaron Gruel, some of you may go, I think I recognize that name. You do. A movie came out about her story called Freedom Writers. Excellent movie. Yeah, it was excellent. So we had her out for a conference or two, and it was it was great. Based on a true story, Aaron taught in a, a major urban area that had all the things that often inner cities have. Mm-hmm. Gangs and gang members, uh, many of her students, perhaps most of her students, were part of a gang. So she had Latinos, she had African-Americans. I think there was only one white male in her class, and, of course, he didn't fit in anywhere, it felt like. So it was just a, a class of silos, the, yeah. all in their own little world, and Aaron was trying to engage them in world history. Yeah. Oh, their favorite subject, you yeah. can imagine. Yeah. So to make a long story short, Aaron was having a difficult time, and suddenly, or I should say in the curriculum, came up the subject of World War II. And kind of in passing, she says, well, yeah, it was the biggest gang fight in history. Well, suddenly, she had the attention of every one of her gang members because they think about gang fights all the time. Yeah. You know? and, and suddenly, she realized, oh, my gosh, I've got an attending body. Yeah. So she goes on, oh, yeah, this guy named Adolf Hitler started this you know, street fight, this gang fight. And she used language they understood, but she was accurately describing what really happened in, from 1939 to 1945 and, yeah. and how this was happened in Poland and, and Czechoslovakia and Austria. Oh, my gosh. Well, that was a launching pad to create experiences. She, uh, the, um, oh my gosh, the Holocaust Museum, which we all know is in Washington, D.C. now, was touring. It hadn't been created yet, but the, the, um, the World War II experience that the Jewish people were having was being taken around the country. What well, came to, to L.A., and she takes her, she raises money and takes students out to this museum and uh, I won't go into all the detail, but you actually heard Aaron Gruel at our I conference, did, yeah. didn't you? Years ago. And it was an amazing story of how a teacher simply stepped into their shoes, thought about what they were feeling, and did all the... The proof method was used in her classroom. She actually brought in Holocaust survivors to be interviewed in the class at the student's request. They had gotten so into this, and the movie Freedom Writers was created because she had so engaged these students. They stepped out of gangs. Many of them became teachers after they graduated. So all I'm saying is this is doable. Aaron Gruel would say, I'm a very ordinary human being that suddenly stumbled onto a methodology that engaged her students so well in that class. Yeah, and I'm sure that no matter where you are, you're probably facing challenges in leading the next generation, whether it's a a difficult group of students in your classroom or perhaps it's a a child that you're leading at home. Whatever the context, we would love uh, for you to begin leveraging this uh, tool in order to better engage your students. So here's what we have. This is a brand new ebook that's coming out. Um, We are launching the ebook with a really fun completely free webinar. The only trick is you got to sign up for it. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so we're going to do a, a webinar where we launch this ebook. Tim's going to talk more in depth about each of these uh, letters improve. So we would encourage you come sign up for it. Maybe uh, if you can gather some people together and watch it together, we would love for you to be able to do that. This is going to be January 26th, 2021 at 1 p.m. Eastern time, 1 p.m. Eastern time, 
um, and, and Tim's going to lead us through what is this uh, content about, uh, how do we begin to leverage this, and everybody who signs up for that webinar is going to get the ebook emailed to them for free. So you're going to get access to that. Um, it's a really, really great resource that we hope is going to be extremely practical for you. So in order to sign up for this webinar, we are putting a link in the show notes. So please click that link, sign up for it, be there on January 26th at 1 p.m. Eastern time. We would love to have you there, engage with you, and also give you this really great resource that we think is going to be helpful for you and for the rest of your staff or, or the students that you're leading. Well, Tim, thanks for leading us through this. If you guys would rate this podcast, give us five stars. Uh, it gets the word out about what we're doing. You can also literally get, a, get the word out by sharing this with somebody that you know who you think might be helpful, somebody you think should come to the uh, uh, launch webinar. We would love for, for them to be here. Uh, as always, also, if you want to connect with us online, we are at Growing Leaders and at Tim Elmore pretty much everywhere you are. And then finally, if you have ideas for this podcast, stuff you want us to talk about, people you want us to interview, shoot us an email. It's podcast at growingleaders.com. Well, thank you guys so much for being here. Tim, thanks for leading us through this. Sign up for that webinar. We'll see you on January 26th. We're excited to get that book, that new ebook launched. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.